0: I wholeheartedly believe that if we've gone through adversity in any way, first things first, we need to do what we can to care for ourselves, you know, and make sure we're feeling healed or or on the path of healing, whatever we've gone through. But I think it's also our responsibility and really like an honor to be able to then go back and reach out a hand to others who are on the same path as you.
1: this is Let It Out. I'm Katie. This week, the founder of Rome Vintage, my dear friend, Natasha Zoe Garrett, is back on the podcast. If you missed last week, no worries, but this is an episode you might want to go back and listen to part one of my conversation with her. We recorded this at my apartment a couple weeks ago, and I could talk to her for days. <laughs> She's one of my favorite people to be around. I gush about her at the beginning of last week's episode, but you know what? I'm going to do it again because truly she is one of the most charismatic people I've ever met. She has this really bright, light energy and we get along really well personally, but you know, I I know I'm not alone in feeling this. She's just truly wonderful to around and she's open and vulnerable about her challenges and her wins in this episode and being around her there's this level of honesty that is really freeing to be around and I feel like she's just someone who like me really prioritizes connection and deep conversation and I think that's why we connected so quickly. And in this, I think you can feel that if you listen last week, and definitely in in part two, she's creative and thoughtful and deep and introspective. And I'm so grateful to to call her a friend. So we split this up in two parts. Last week we got into mental health and her career modeling and shifting out of modeling. And I'm about to read a quote that I found in my research for the episode that is where we ended last week and we're about to begin this week. And, you know, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know part two, that's when it really comes live. We're... 45 minutes to an hour in, we're a little bit woozy from talking for so long, and we've warmed up the mics. You know, that's where the rapid fire questions are. Those seem to be a fan favorite. But in this part, we get into the importance of role models. We talk about connection. We hear about Rome and Rome Vintage, her shop and fully how she came up with the idea while she was traveling in Nepal and shifting out of her styling career to focus on the business full time, the entire story. And it really relates to finding her purpose and how that led to so much richness in her life, including getting sober and how that changed her She also gives tips for flea markets and vintage buying and styling, even getting dressed advice. So yesterday I had an interesting experience with her because her studio here in L.A. had an official opening. And I went with our mutual friend Heidi and I bought this beautiful, I can't wait to show you, really old vintage Shirt from Rome that I'm so excited about. It honestly doesn't even really fit me, but I don't care. I'm so excited about it. And it felt like if you're in LA, you must go. And even if you're not, you know, when you're visiting, I felt like I was playing dress up with the coolest people around in the most beautiful space. And it was really a dream come true. So, highly recommend going to the Rome studio. And you know what? Rome Vintage ships, uh, I believe worldwide, definitely available on Instagram to shop her collection every time it drops. And I highly, highly recommend it. Honestly, just follow everything she does. And I'm excited for you to hear part two of our conversation. I obviously want to talk about Rome and, and, and the beginning of it, but you said something just now that made me think of this. And I, I wrote down a line that you said that stuck with me on the Doan site. And I think it's related to, you know, your feeling of embodiment coming from Rome, your business and your life as a whole, you know, becoming your masterpiece essentially. And so this is what you said, and then we'll kind of, come out from here, but you said, as my business grew, I realized that I had the ability and responsibility as a black woman in business to celebrate other people who looked like me in ways I hadn't seen while working in the mainstream fashion world. I hope to offer up space for others to feel seen and supported in ways that I felt were lacking for me as a child and early on in my career. The world is not lacking and this is the part that I want to read twice and underline I, this line. The world is not lacking in talented black creatives, but it is lacking in exposure and in opportunity. Mm-hmm. Just let that one land for a minute. <laughs> I'm one of the many people that you will continue to see working to change that.
0: Mm-hmm. I wholeheartedly believe that if we've gone through adversity in any way, first things first, we need to do what we can to care for ourselves, you know, and make sure we're feeling healed or or on the path of healing, whatever we've gone through. But I think it's also our responsibility and really like an honor to be able to then have been able to do some work and like expand your life to then go back and reach out a hand to others who are, on the same path as you. And that's so important to me in like literally every aspect of my life. And particularly when it comes to fashion industry and my my career in both modeling and then styling and now with my vintage shop, I think all of the ways in which I saw that there wasn't room made for people like myself, for black people, for you know people who didn't grow up with money to come and like actually take up some space when I was able to, to do whatever the hell I did to, to get myself into this world. I was like, okay, there are things about this world that I like. There's a reason why I want to be in this world, but there's a lot of issues with this world and a major issue is that there are not other people like myself who get to like be a part of it. And I don't really want to be in this world if I don't get to be in it with people like me. And That's really important to me because, you know, growing up in the late 90s, early 2000s, not that long ago, but I really didn't feel like I had barely any role models to look up to. And I think that having role models is so important. Like it it seems, I think people sometimes like Play it down. Yeah, it's kind of like a buzzword. Like Like a buzzword doesn't sound important. Exactly. (laughs) Kind of. Actually, when you've done work on like reprogramming and like you know, like expanders. expanders, What Lacy said. Like Lacey Like like when you look for, you need to find people that came from where you came from and are doing something that you want to do to to really know that it's possible for you. And I just I didn't really have that and i'm now really grateful that i've like been able to find amazing powerful incredibly creative successful black women in that are now friends and peers in my life that are those expanders for me but i realized i was like i i it's my duty to be that for other people and it's so important for me to be that for other people and um, yeah and it's it's an honor to and i try to in any which way I can, you know, with, with my business, just with my presence and and the ways in which I like connect and interact with the world.
1: Yeah. And, and you do it so beautifully. I, I'd, I'd love for you to talk more about Rome and your business. And I've heard you say that it feels super aligned and, and is your purpose. And to the point that we were making, I'm so happy that you have that. And, and I do, really believe that when someone is living their purpose and the, the the it's not about like find the thing you like that's just capitalism you know mm-hmm. it's not find the thing you love and you know work hard that's like sure maybe that helps people make money i i wouldn't know mm-hmm. <laughs> but i think what's so beautiful about i'm just using the word purpose and alignment cuz they're the best that i can think of right now but when when someone is doing something that I believe is their purpose. When some flow starts to happen, I think it happens in this really beautiful kismet way. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's been the case for you and and for Rome from from the outside. But I also feel like it's because of your ethics, because of Mm -hmm. what you just shared, because Mm -hmm. that's the piece that gets missed where it's not like, just do what you love and you'll be really good at it and you'll be rewarded. It's like you have this service mm. ethic and it's not like you're, you're you're not like, it doesn't have to be so on the nose, you know, no. it doesn't have to be front facing. But it's like when when I really break down people who are in alignment, it's not just like, oh, that's directionally correct for them. Like, mm-hmm. cool. It's the, I really break down the ethics of like, and this is something I it's not my own thought. My friend Crystal's really helping me to to see this around people right now. But I'm I'm more backtracking it where it's like as I'm figuring out my own ethics and figuring out, you know, what I believe, see whenever I see someone who I I believe, you know, is things are flowing or there there's sort of this magic, I then find out like, turns out they're an amazing and I know this is not the case, like obviously they're horrible people who like good things yeah. happen to yeah. you know which yeah. is like and I think there are like this is not the order of the universe but I do believe that like when there's 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 a bit of movement when the ethics are so important like what you just shared yeah I t- took forever to say that but
0: <laughs> well uh, yeah and I I mean that flow state is something I think about often because it doesn't it doesn't just have to do with being good at something or being really motivated or working really hard at it. It's like so much more nuanced and also yet so simple. It's just like, it's about finding something that like sparks, sparks joy in you that fills you up. And it's about, taking it seriously but it's also about being really curious about it and really open and allowing other people to share in that with you which I think is so important and building other people up along the way which I really aim to do and and I think that sometimes it has to do with like going through a lot of shit and going through a lot of hard times and just understanding that you know there are a lot of things that you could do and be good at right I think it's finding something in your life that you just like would do even if you weren't getting paid to do it. It has nothing to do with like making money or not. It just really fills your cup up. And then it's about sharing that with people, you know? And when I see other people that I feel like are really in a flow state, I, I can recognize and I can, feel that same energy of just like there's a grace there's just a grace about it like which we all can achieve and I'm trying to like this is I think like an ongoing theme in all aspects of my life and I think what I'm getting at is that like I think the struggles I've been through and the anxiety that I've and depression and then like other mental health crises that I've had to deal with in my life either personally or like surrounding me with family members just like the ability to just kind of like let go and to trust and to, but also be an active participant in our lives and to like figure out what we really love and what, what brings us joy even in hard times. Like that's where I feel like that flow just kind of exists and lives. And, and it's interesting though, because like I want to be totally transparent. Like I get a often people saying to me, you're killing it, you're doing great, your business is doing great, like, you know, you really seem like you're in a flow, and while I do feel like I've, for the most part in my life, like, found a flow that, a general flow that feels really great and really is the direction that feels most authentic to me, I've still... I still always struggle with hard times and like I'm just coming out of like some challenging moments of like imposter syndrome and financial fear and scarcity and not feeling abundant and those are sticky places to be in and, and, and it's tough especially when you do feel like you are kind of a pillar in a sense or like people are starting to think of you as an expander or whatnot, like, or just someone doing something that seems to be working for them. When you don't actually feel that in yourself, that level of like shame is really tough. So I've, I've been struggling with that lately. And and I do feel like I've kind of been able to come out through the other side of it, but I just like for people who are listening and who, you know, like if you see someone else who's like really seems like they're in a flow state all the time, they might not always be in a flow state, but what you can take from that is just like the general understanding of this level of like self-awareness and grace and trust in the process and the universe and understanding that sometimes are going to be really great and sometimes they're not going to be not so great. And it's like that roller coaster of an anxiety attack or whatever. It's just like you continue to grow from it. Hopefully, like yeah. if you're being self-aware and compassionate.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think I, I've been thinking a lot about like hard work. Like mm-hmm. sometimes it's like, like what, what is the goal then to get, get everything you want? And then you're like, all right, this is it. Like the Jim yeah. Carrey quote, you know? Mm-hmm. And I know so many people who I've wildly interacted with who I j- have seen that happen for. And I think... Ultimately, you know, you were describing, I think when we were talking about like hard things, like I, I kind of envisioning like searching for vintage, right? Of like mm-hmm. you have to like parse through things to get to the gym. And that's kind of true. For, you have to roam to, to yeah. go through and find things. And I, and I feel like there's something that is a parallel with mental health Mm -hmm. with that and to your point of like finding the thing that having Deepak Chopra says that happiness is divine discontent so Mm. it leaves room for the creative impulse Mm -hmm. right and I think hard work like just that's the the key is like finding a thing that you want to work hard at and sticking there for a minute yeah, you know and a lot of us don't have the luxury to do that. And mm-hmm. a lot of us have to do a bunch of things to do that luxury sometimes. Sure. And, um, but I think it, it, it keeps us going to, to want to, you know, even like on, on your, on Rome's website, it says a lifelong collector of beautiful things. And I know that your mom is an interior designer, as you said. And I didn't know that you Grandma and your mom both sold vintage, which Mm -hmm. is so cool. And your mom and dad met on a film set styling, right?
0: My mom was actually an intern. They were so young. And my dad was working like doing custodial work at the film set. And yeah, they were in their early 20s at this point. And then I think he started because he wanted to go into filmmaking he started helping out on some of the shoots and my mom was also helping out on them too. So yeah, they met and they got married at the studio. Wow. Mm -hmm. So my whole world, it's really interesting. Like all the things that I've kind of, (laughs) everything goes, like I said, in the very beginning, like everything goes back to childhood. And for me in particular, like that feel that resonates so much. It's just like, I've just always had, I don't know anything else other than like the worlds that I've kind of been in of like, you know, These creative, hardworking, like, not (laughs) stable all the time, but really fun and, like, like, that's just kind of where I've come from. And so, yeah, my mom... Still buys a lot of um vintage and antique furniture pieces for clients. My grandmother had a antique shop in New Mexico for a few years when I was a little kid. And she's a painter also. She's a really talented painter. But yeah, I just kind of, you know, I it, it sounds so like romantic and cool, but like it was also it was, like, all the good parts of it as l- along with right, like all right. the hard parts of it, just like stability. You know, yeah, money's yeah. not coming in right now or money, you know, whatever. We're working really long hours, but But I think that some of that reason why it seems to be, I don't want to say easy for me, but just maybe a little natural for me to be doing what I do is because it's kind of just all I know how to do (laughs) and and I've just embraced that in a lot of ways and I'm lucky for it you know I'm grateful for it because I genuinely love what I do and that was not always the case for me like I tried to fit into other molds and do other kinds of things that I just were like you know, pulling teeth. And now I've never worked so hard in my life and I have really stressful days and it's all self-imposed stress, but I love it more than anything else I've done. And I think that that love for it and that drive creates kind of like, it just amplifies that flow state. Yeah. I think we all kind of
1: get conditioned with different thresholds for uncertainty. And it sounds like because of your background and upbringing your that was all you knew so your threshold is higher than someone who you know wants to have a more unstable existence but comes from not that there's some pros and cons to both but sure. it's a different different thing to reprogram yeah absolutely which i think we've probably both seen can you tell me about the beginnings of of rome and any maybe even just explain it to everyone and some moments that stand out for you from the beginning that you were just kind of like
0: okay i'm gonna keep doing this Mm -hmm. (laughs) totally so rome vintage is my vintage shop i started it uh, yeah i'll let me I'll, i'll tell kind of the full story so I was collect. I'd always collected vintage. I grew up since I was a baby, going to flea markets and antique shops and things like that. Like I mentioned, with my mom and my grandmother, doing that as well too. So I just felt that was like home, you know. And I think when I was younger, when I was like a teenager, I felt like that was very uncool. Like I, I did it because we were didn't have a lot of money, so I had to be thrifty. But it's also just like where I've always felt. Felt comfortable in So I've collected vintage my whole life And when I was living in New York Towards the end of my time living in New York Is when I started assisting as a stylist on photo shoots um, On all sorts of huge photo shoots Like crazy, crazy jobs And I ended up doing that work for a long time And it was grueling and exhausting And um, ultimately not meant for me But... I was kind of collecting vintage on the side, and people would compliment pieces, and then sometimes I'd buy something and then not want to keep it, and I'd sell it to a friend or coworker or whatever and I was on a trip to Nepal in two thousand and sixteen. This is a an Ayurvedic retreat um, that my now very good friend was hosting i didn 't know her at the time. I went by myself not mm-hmm. knowing anybody on the trip, I was kind of having like this. I don't want to say like a quarter life crisis, but I was just having like a big shift in my life. I was, sad I was return. about return, yeah, Saturn return. I was about to exit a serious but toxic relationship. I didn't think I wanted to live in New York anymore. I was for the first time starting to question my relationship to alcohol really seriously. So I went in Paul, and I remember we were walking around. We were in Kathmandu, the capital city, and we were walking around one of the main villages there. And I just remember like being so lit up, just being like somewhere else traveling and like seeing these, seeing people who were, you know, actively making pottery and beating things and like just doing all these things with their hands. And it just reminded me of like growing up and going to flea markets and just meeting all these people who are just like, this is their life. Their life is to come out, you know, early in the morning and to like, lay out all of their wares and like hopefully have people come by and, and appreciate them and admire them and want to purchase them. And in a lot of these villages too is like, you know, traditions that were just passed down generations and generations. So there was the added really like admiration of that too. But I remember on that day, which was my birthday, Hmm. I think it was my 26th birthday. I was just like, I should open a shop mm. like I should do that like that feels really right to me and I was journaling a lot on this trip which I haven't done as much lately I do sometimes but I remember just being like I really feel like I should open a shop and um and at first I my the first name that came to mind was Miles to Rome like i like I'm I have miles to roam around the world to like find these beautiful things. And for probably a year or two, so I like got an Instagram handle with that name. And for like two years, I would kind of just post here and there, like I, you know, things I'd find when I came back, like the flea markets and whatnot. And some of my friends would buy certain things, but it was very like grassroots, like no website, no nothing. I don't even think Venmo existed then. That's so funny. And then I was still styling for a long time. And then I moved back to California, moved to San Francisco for a year, kind of was starting to do. So my mom had a shop at the time in, in her interior design shop where she would sell pieces, mostly vintage pieces, and then also have her clients come. And I started doing pop-ups there. And they went really well. Like every time I would do one, a bunch of people would come out. There was just so much momentum. I felt really natural. Like I've always thought of myself as a really introverted person that I am. But like when I would be at these pop ups and showing people vintage and talking about it with them, and I just felt really, it felt really natural and really Mm -hmm. comfortable. And I got so many compliments on these pieces I found, and I just felt really like jazzed up. Like I felt so excited and energized in ways that I hadn't before. I feel like I've observed that
1: in you. Like when you, you light up, Uh like when you hit something, it's like one of my favorite things about you. Like when you hit something, I can see like you suddenly become not an introvert. Yeah. For that moment. Yeah.
0: It's so, it's that's, I, I appreciate you saying that. And it's, it's true. I do. I am a like very much a kind of like, if you were to meet me and not know me, you'd be like, oh, she's maybe a little bit quiet, reserved, whatnot. But I'm just, that's just like maybe yeah. a guard that I put up. But when I find something that really sparks something in me, there is this like outward expression mm-hmm. of it. And I feel that way when I'm sourcing pieces and when I'm interacting with people who are potentially buying pieces. So, yeah, I kind of just started doing these pop-ups and more and more people liking them. And then I moved to LA a year after that and kind of started taking it more seriously and saving some money from the styling jobs I would do. And then right before the pandemic hit, I kind of was like, you know what? I don't want to do this styling anymore. I had started to make enough money selling vintage that I was like, I could get by on this, like very... Meagerly, but like, I think I could get by if this keeps up. And then the pandem- pandemic hit, and obviously, photo shoots weren't happening anymore. And there was just, I, just had no other choice but to put all of my energy into this. And I really wanted to. And so like I made my business official, like I registered my business, like I did all the things to really make it a real deal business. And I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going for it. And then just got a lot of momentum really quickly. And it's now been, you know, for the past what, two and some change years, it's been my full-time job, which is like wild to think about that. Um, and yeah, it's what I love to do. It's such a un- like an interesting kind of thing to be your full-time job, but it feels really really special and like it's what I'm meant to be doing.
1: It's so cool. I think I can feel similar sometimes where it's like my friend Marley wrote this book that's kind of about having jobs like this but you're kind of always working and never working, you know. <laughs> oh my god, 100%. Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you Feel like, do you ever think, I mean, I I guess we all do. My life completely unexpectedly shifted as a result of the pandemic. I think all of our lives definitely did in, in some way. But do you think about the impact of, do you think you would have gone all in on your business if not for the pandemic? Or do you think the pandemic affected it in a way, you know, so much of life is timing, but would you have been distracted by other things? Or what do you think about the
0: impact that had on it? I do. I think it was this wild and maybe this is like the ultimate example of the flow state of it. Is it just like, it just came, there came to this point where I was just like, I can't keep saying yes to these styling jobs. Like to people listening, like they might be like styling jobs. That sounds fun and easy. And it's like, it's not really like, it's so much work. Like you could be working like 14, 18 hour days you know, you get paid a decent amount of money, but it's sporadic, you know, you're a freelancer still. So, and then you often like don't get actually paid for the job you did for about like two to three months afterwards. So there's a lot of like chasing money down and putting things on credit card. Like it's not sustainable at all. And working those hours and, and for a lot of big retailers that I don't believe in that sell things that I don't, that aren't aligned with me, It's just like none of it, made sense to me I was working with a lot of amazing creative people and I'm grateful that now with modeling I can still sometimes be on set so I think it came to, I think it was one of those points where I was just and it's like a skill you have for it's Rome. a skill oh my god it's absolutely helped Rome so much but I think it's one of those things where it was kind of like that period where I was like like it was a test of like I you know I just have to start. If I get asked to do any of these jobs again, I just have to start saying no, and that's scary because like that's my bread and butter. That's how yeah. I make money, and just trust that this vintage thing is going to really pick up. And I just had this like real belief that it it would, and 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 I do think that even if the pandemic didn't happen, that I would keep just doing the vintage, or at least as much as possible. And I do think I would have gotten a lot of momentum. I also have to totally acknowledge, and this is such a sticky, tricky kind of thing to acknowledge is that during the summer of 2020, when George Floyd was murdered and a lot of a lot of other black men and women were harassed and murdered, and there was a lot of attention on this, I mean, you know beginning of time injustice in this country. Towards Black people, there was a real uprising and support for Black-owned businesses. So I have to acknowledge that also what really catapulted my business to where it is now is that I was able to really be seen in a way that I don't think without that kind of like movement would have necessarily happened as quickly as it did. And that's such a tricky, uncomfortable thing to bring up because it's like, obviously it's like the result of these horrific things happening to people like George Floyd was what it took for people to finally understand that like this world, this country just like has done so little for black people and there's so much that needs to change. So while I'm I'm grateful for having been a part of a movement to amplify black people and black voices and black experiences, it also came with a lot of sadness and trauma and all these things. So I think it was this this amalgamation of having my platform amplified and also having gained more momentum before then and more experience as well too. And and then also a pandemic where people were, their lives were shut down and, and people were starting to really realize we needed to shift away from like mainstream fast fashion and these big businesses and started supporting small businesses more and supporting vintage and sustainable businesses. It was just kind of like all of these things kind of created a place for me to kind of like rise up, you know, and to show up more and so I think that it was very situational. But what I did with that, with all the uncomfortable elements about that, is just like I just showed up and I showed up for myself and I showed up for other people like myself and like utilized the opportunities to really bring something to the table, yeah. you know? So that I, yeah, I mean, I guess I don't think my business necessarily would be where it was this quickly had it not been for the, all those situations to occur, but I do think that I would have done whatever I could to make my business my full-time thing.
1: Yeah. Thank you for sharing all of that. I think it's interesting, right? Like I was just talking to a friend about decision-making and I was feeling a lot of indecision and felt like I made a wrong decision. And we had this conversation where I think I believe this too. She said, you know, I believe that like, yeah, you can make a choice that maybe wasn't correct for you, but eventually you'll get wherever you're really meant to go, you'll get there. And sometimes there are circumstances outside of our control that, you know, might make that go faster or slower, but wherever we're meant to be. I think not that everything is destiny I think we have free will and mm-hmm. all of that but i I don't know i'm I'm unpacking that but i I do believe that and I'm just so happy that this was the case for you and I'm so mm-hmm. happy that this aligned and I can imagine the complexity around the heaviness of that time and that summer and what's been going on the spotlight on something that's been going on for ever had to feel really intense and complicated mm-hmm. and Yeah, it's just, it's all really, really heavy.
0: Yeah, it is, it (laughs) is. And there's, you know, and I've spoken to so many of my peers, so many other of my friends who, you know, had themselves and their businesses amplified at that time. And, And I think we all are under the general consensus that we are like so happy to see people, us and our friends and other creatives that look like us to see us shining, you know? And so that's a beautiful thing. Like that's so beautiful and it's so overdue. But yeah, it's it's going to be complex and it's it's infuriating that that that's really unfortunately where our country is that it takes such atrocities to really create change, but I think being able to see people and to be a person who was not able to receive certain advantages, be able to receive them rightfully. So they have worked so hard and whatever they're doing, like it's just a beautiful, important thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a correction. Like it's a correction to a really big systemic. I mean, there are so many corrections that need to be made to many systemic problems, but it serves the, exact thing we were talking about of mm-hmm. you as a kid of mm-hmm. needing to see people like yourself and knowing what's possible for you. And I just, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that Rome exists. And, and I think just with the pandemic too, you know, the, the timing of that, like completely different from what we're talking about, but I relate even in like a lot of good things happened for me mm-hmm. in a time quicker than maybe they would have And there's a lot of heaviness just in the pandemic of, you know, a lot of people died and are dying and that lost things. And I had something good happen. Like it I wrestled with that and how to think about that. And, you know, I think I probably would have gotten to the same place, but it would have just been a longer or also who knows. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It definitely sped everything up, the good and the bad and the in-between. Yeah. for sure. And we're still unpacking. We still that. Are.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. I have one more question I want to ask you. And then I want to do the rapid fires. So you mentioned sobriety and mm-hmm. I, I wanted to just talk about that a little bit of like that experience of everything that you've dealt with between disordered eating and all the other mental health things that we've mentioned and then becoming sober. And I guess my question is, what is your practice around that? Like, what has that experience taught you? Like, has it made you feel more connected to yourself? And what would you say to yourself when you were considering that choice? Sure. I
0: mean, sobriety has been the greatest gift to happen in my life, not just for the fact that I'm not no longer abusing alcohol and living in just kind of so much self-made depression and, and anxiety and whatnot, but it's been the biggest blessing in my life because I've had to do all this inner work to figure out, or not even just figure out why I drank the way I drank, because a lot of that I feel like is out of my control. I just have this misobsession and I don't have the tools on my own to deal with it. But I think just the practice. So, first of all, like I go to AA and I'm very much a believer in 12 step programs and I find them to be extraordinarily helpful. I find them to be life saving for a lot of people. And I'm just so grateful that they exist for free in this world. And have helped so many people. But for me, sobriety just cracked me open, you know? My alcoholism didn't look like jail or hospitalization or losing a job or anything like that, but it looked like complete demoralization and lack of connection, which we had brought up before. And every time you were, when you were bringing up lack of connection, like it just makes me think about sobriety or lack thereof. It's like, I fully believe that, people who drink in general, but particularly people who have substance abuse issues drink or do drugs as a way to try and connect with themselves, with God, with others, but it's not an authentic way of connection, you know, and there's nothing wrong with people who have a healthy relationship with alcohol to drink and celebrate and, and, you know, feel connected to others. But I do think, I think it lacks a certain depth and in sobriety, I've had the opportunity to feel like what, to feel what real connection feels like, you know, with myself, with my discomfort, with my anxieties, with my low self-esteem and with like real pride and joy and with God. And for me, God is, you know, a higher power, a infinite source of energy and and with others and so for me sobriety has like completely shaped my life the whole idea and topic of surrender that I feel like was kind of a through line in our conversation I wouldn't have that without my sobriety because I such a tenant such a pillar of AA is like surrender and serenity and and I'm just endlessly grateful for the gifts of AA and for my sobriety, even though it's sucked sometimes. It's been really hard sometimes. you know. I have struggled. I've relapsed more than once. And I've had periods where I'm resentful of AA and resentful that I have to be sober and that other people don't. But at the end of the day, like especially right now where I'm at, just like feeling good and feeling embodied, like I'm so freaking grateful that I'm sober and so grateful that I have these tools. And I think it's only added to the flow of my yeah. business and my life. Like I, I I wouldn't have that I wouldn't have my business. I wouldn't have my flow if I w- was drinking. Just that's like without a doubt in my head. I wouldn't have these friendships like with you and like just meeting people like you so kismetly and so naturally, like I wouldn't have any of this if I wasn't sober. And so, yeah, at the end of the day, it's kind of everything, even though I like don't want to admit that because I want to have more self-will. Like I want to be like, it's the work I've done and it's this and that. Like yes, the work I've done in relationship to getting to know myself better as a sober person, but like, it's really like the lack of this numbing agent in my life, you know, like having to just show up and, and to be of service to other people and all of that, everything that like sobriety and 12 steps kind of like talk about is like, that's the reason why my life looks the way it does.
1: Wow. I'm really happy for you. And I'm really happy that you have that. And it's no small thing and really powerful and really intense this week's episode is brought to us by fit on it's so convenient to be able to do workouts from home and if you're looking for a solution to feel more energetic and motivated i think moving especially in the comfort of our own space is really useful i do a little bit of a movement routine of sorts each morning when I wake up before I do anything else and well, you know, after I brush my teeth and do like a few other things I do a little bit of a movement routine and I really think it helps me to Be motivated to keep going in the day, right? Like I did one thing and it gives me a little bit of momentum to keep doing more things that are, you know, perhaps challenging and feel good after, right? Maybe you're looking for the right workout solution to check all the boxes that you need. Well, Fit On is for you, (laughs) if that's the case. It's a really wide variety of classes and so much is available think Pilates, bar, yoga, hit, kickboxing, cardio, strength, dance, even guided meditation, which I've done and I love on this app. It spans all different levels of intensity, and there's world-class trainers who make the workouts fun and effective and Fit On's community has more than 10 million people there to help motivate you, which is really cool. Fit On is the number one free fitness app, and it's redefining the workout experience. So all you have to do is text O-U-T to 64000 to join Fit On for free. That's O-U-T to 6400 to join fit on for free. One of my favorite things about it is that it's free. You don't have to pay for the workout. Fit On workouts are always free to use. If you're super busy, if you're a parent, if you have a really chaotic work schedule, Fit On workouts are as short as five minutes so you can just fit it in really quickly. And it can stream to your phone, your TV or your laptop and there's no equipment or gym membership required. So join over 10 million people getting their fit on workout for free anytime, anywhere. Text O-U-T to 64000 to join fit on for free text O-U-T to 64000. That's O-U-T to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. Terms apply. Available at fitonapp.com terms. When it comes to personal hygiene, you know, reading that long list of ingredients on the back of the bottle that's, you know, sometimes you can't even pronounce them. And we all want to be aware of what we're putting into our body and onto our skin, our largest organ, as they say, and by they, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's true, then, you know, trying native personal care products is... A good idea, you know? It's what I did. I love it so, so, so much. Every native product is thoughtfully formulated to keep you feeling and smelling fresh all day long. They're best known for their aluminum-free deodorant. Native wants you to practice safe sweats. So what they, you know, what they say is that they keep their ingredients bare naked with ingredients you understand, like coconut oil, shea butter, baking soda. We love all of those things, but you know what I love about native deodorant is that it smells truly incredible. There's this coconut vanilla scented deodorant that I've been a fan of for years. I've said this before, I'll say it again. Christine, my friend, Turned me onto it, but now they have so many other flavors. There's a cucumber mint, lavender rose, they even have unscented if you know scents are not your thing. My friend told me that he just got it too, and I hope that you'll give it a go because native checks a lot of boxes, you know. 24-hour odor protection, naturally derived ingredients, smooth, residue-free. They have so many scents to choose from, and it's a great time to make the switch to Native. When you visit their site, you can discover all the scents and maybe even try out one of their other products, like their moisturizing body washes while you're at it. Why not? Smell and feel fresh all day long with Native. Get 20% off your first order by going to Native Dio, slash let it out or use the promo code let it out at checkout. That's native D-E-O dot com slash let it out or use promo code let it out at checkout for 20% off your first order. Thank you, Native. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? Turns out it's a business scam. Out. Get you. It's such a. It's really a bummer, and you know these greedy corporations. They they pocket your money, and it's really just a bummer. But Truebill helps you to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want or, you know, the ones that you simply forget about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. That's a lot of money. What could you do with those $720? I can tell you what I do. Maybe go on a road trip or it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. Truebill makes it incredibly simple. You just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions. So you don't have to. That's what's so great. You know, I did it and I figured out that I was actually losing a lot of money that I did not even consider was going right to places that I honestly didn't even remember. It's it's pretty embarrassing. But what's great is that with Truebill, I didn't have to because they swooped in and helped me to save money. And They can help you too. Truebill has over 2 million users and they've helped them save over $100 million. Like Matthew B. who says, get this, in a matter of seconds, I saved $660 on my DirecTV bill, $120 on my SiriusXM bill, $840 a year on my car insurance. Listen, Matthew B., first of all, congratulations. That's incredible. I'm so curious what you're doing with all of that money you saved and you listening, don't fall for subscription scams. start canceling today at truebill.com/let it out. Go right now truebill.com/ let it out. It could save you thousands of dollars a year. truebill.com/ let it out
0: Best thing you've eaten in the last week. I ordered Ethiopian food from this place in Little Ethiopia that's very, very good. I got the full veggie platter.
1: I love Ethiopian food. It's I haven't best. had it since New York. Could, oh, there's could we go? So many
0: good places in light. Yes. Oh. Let's do it.
1: Um, night what's the, the spongy bread called? Injira. Yeah. Oh, it's so, it's so good. good. Mm-hmm. My friend in high school, her parents owned the Ethiopian place in our college Ooh. town. And she would bring it. For like school, like for the yearbook or whatever. And it's like some of my favorite, favorite food. I haven't had it since. It's the best. Yeah, there's a whole bunch
0: of great places in little Ethiopia. I would love to go.
1: What is your favorite part of your life right now?
0: My home. It's the first time I've lived alone and it's great. And I live with just me and my dog and I love it very much.
1: I love that. We talked a lot about our parallel experience with, body image. And what do you do when you're having, when you're feeling, you, you've mentioned you are feeling embodied, but when you're not, is there anything that you do in a day or when you're just
0: feeling a little bit off that helps you? Getting outside. Yeah. Which I always say I'm going to do during the week or weekend. And I often make excuses to just like go get in my car and drive somewhere, but it helps every time. What about productivity? Like, I'm so
1: curious how people spend their days. Like, what are some habits and routines that you do in the morning or like a kind of typical work day? And then what do you do at the end?
0: Especially as someone who owns their own business and doesn't have anyone else to tell them what to do, writing kind of like daily lists, to-do lists is really helpful for me. But not being super tied to them because I find that if I get too tied to them and I don't finish it, I get hard on myself. So little to do list. I try not look. I try not turn my phone on for like a good thirty minutes to an hour if I can when I wake up, so that I don't go immediately into work mode. And then I'll just try and wind down at the end of the day and not think about work at all and do something just for myself. I can give you one of these. Just don't lose Thank it. Thank you. <laughs> yes, I won't I need one.
1: <laughs> What's your greatest lesson on creativity?
0: Don't think at all about any sort of outcome of it. <laughs> just, Just do it. Sit down and do it. Greatest lesson on friendship? Really listening. Like, deeply listening. And with that listening, like, seeing... And hearing how you can be of service to your friend. Greatest lesson on family? Ooh, acceptance. Accepting people for who they are. And, le- well, I will say really the greatest lesson around family is boundaries. <laughs> Healthy boundaries. Yeah. And I'm still working on those. What about on romantic relationships?
1: Dating? Greatest lesson?
0: Letting go of expectations to be met in ways that you think they need to look like, but having definitely like certain parameters and non-negotiables that you are looking for in a relationship and just checking in with yourself and with your partner often about those. What about, we mentioned our,
1: our car zone out, but you know, social media is connected to your work and multiple ways what are your thoughts on it what's your relationship to it what's been useful
0: to you around that I'm still working on what my healthy relationship to social media looks like to be totally honest like I don't it's difficult when so much of your business relies on social media but I think I use that as an excuse sometimes too and I still don't need to be on it as often as I find myself on it so trying to set up boundaries around like, you know, staying off of it after a certain time of day or not really being on it as much on the weekends, but it's a struggle for me because it, you know, especially I think over the last few years, we've really used it as a tool for connection during the pandemic. And I still very much find myself looking for connection through social media. But then again, I realize that I'm, I'm actually not really finding it there. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like a false, um, kind of like we were saying, worship whatever we put our attention on, mm-hmm. but it's a false connection like sure we were talking about. So I wrote down, I, I read this interview with you somewhere, I don't even remember where this one was, but or it was from 2 Dawson, and they asked, I don't know when this was, but they asked you what advice you'd offer your younger self, and... I'm going to read back to you what you said and and you'll tell me how this still feels, but you said, trust the process, trust in yourself and that you are on the right path. Stop caring so much about what others think and never stop dreaming too big. So Mm -hmm. first I'll just like see how that sits with you today.
0: I feel like I've been able to embody that a little bit more. You know, I don't, I, I think I am just trusting like we were talking about earlier that all things are going to fall into place and trusting that even when things are difficult, that I'm going to be able to get through it because I've been there before. I think I've come to a place where I don't really care so much about what others think about what I'm doing. And I'm just like kind of allowing myself to exist where I feel is best for me. So yeah, it still feels really relevant. That's the part I wanted to ask about. Stop caring so much about what other people think. That, how do you do that? <laughs> it's not that I'm not affected by what other people think But I've also realized that There's no world in which some people Aren't gonna shit on what you're doing And that most of I mean 100% of the time I would argue to say The people that are shitting on what you're doing Or giving you a hard time Are just really people who It all has to do with them Has nothing to do with you so just I think that's the most important thing. It's like I can't really care if someone thinks what I'm doing is bad or it's been done before or it's ugly or it's this or it's that. Because like anybody who's spending their time thinking all those things about me is probably just projecting their own insecurities and that's all that that's all that, that is. And it's out of our control. Yeah, it's out of your control. So it really doesn't matter. I try just I just try not think about it really ever. Yeah. I feel like
1: it would be a real miss to not ask you about style and you have such a specific aesthetic and taste. And and we talked about your influences a lot and your mom and dad and everything that you places that you've traveled to. But I guess you have this effortless style that I admire so much. And when you think about curating a look or putting something together or what are some things that you look to and what advice would you give someone wanting
0: to feel more connected to what they're wearing? I mean, I dress first and foremost for my own personal comfort and that doesn't necessarily mean wearing sweatpants, but that just means like things that feel good on me, like things that I feel good about wearing, like where they came from and who made them and the materials use and things like that. So like, that's, I think understanding like what having a minute to sit with yourself and like understand what you're trying to get out of your style and the way you dress, like, you know, and for me, it's comfort. It's knowing where things came from and it's creativity. And I just kind of have developed this understanding of knowing different things that I like and that fit well on me for my shape. And I think that, it's a journey. You know, my style along with I think everyone's else's style is always kind of changing. So it's just always checking back in with yourself. I think finding core things that you know that you really love that you can have so you don't have to think too much about getting dressed. It's really important. And then on top of that, aside from that, it's just finding pieces that make you feel really happy when you see them. I love that.
1: There's about a million more things that I could ask you but I want to just hang out with our friends and eat dinner. <laughs> but I'll offer this to you. You know, is there anything that you want to recommend? It can be any category, book, movie, song, podcast you like, something recent, something. Mm. Also, is there a piece that you found that either you kept or, or, or you sold that you still think about? Or There's something that you
0: didn't buy? Th- that I didn't. I mean, th- I'm haunted by the, all the things that I didn't buy or that I've sold already. But I also have this relationship with, like, vintage and with finding things of, like, even if I'm so bummed I didn't get it or I did get it sold it or it got lost or whatever, it's like, I know I can find something else that's going to make me super excited again. So in terms of that, like... Yes, there's been some like amazing, like super buttery soft, perfectly worn-in leather jackets that I feel like such a dummy for selling. But then I'm like, it's okay. There's more where that came from. <laughs> I'll find something else. So in that regard, I kind of have this like, there's more. There's more that I can find. And, which and is just such a thrill of the hunt. Life lesson. <laughs> totally. <laughs> non-attachment. It's just, like, non-attachment. I yeah. guess is the most is what I'm getting at there. And then, in terms of a piece, or book, or a movie, or something that I these questions that I really have to think about. Well, let me while you're thinking. One more question: Mm -hmm. Someone
1: who goes to flea markets often and has been going to vintage shops for years and all over the world. What would you say to someone? is there any kind of advice or like something to look for, like going in with a plan? Like, do you go in with a plan? Like, what would you say to someone who, you know, wants to do something similar or just wants to incorporate more vintage into their style?
0: Sure. I think that so much of the fun and the thrill of sourcing vintage for me is this, this like curiosity, like who knows what will happen attitude. So Sometimes I do go in with a plan if I know that there are certain things I'd like to buy for the shop. But oftentimes I just go in completely blind and just get really excited to see what I'm going to find. So for me personally, like I find the most joy when I'm just open to whatever coming my way. That being said, like I have enough understanding and expertise to like know when I go into certain flea markets that I go to a lot who I want to go to and who I think has stuff that I will like. So I think it's just going first and foremost, really open-minded and not putting too much pressure on yourself to find this one thing that you're looking for. Cause oftentimes that one thing you're looking for is harder to find. And then you just kind of let go of that. And then you end up finding something that you didn't even know you liked or you wanted.
1: You could just like take that and be like, take that to
0: dating or yeah, right? to any it's, other it's, aspect of life. I, that's I'm really trying to practice in all aspects. And I, some aspects of it I do better than others, but the non-attachment is, I think, like kind of the most. It's, it's kind of everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, the name of this podcast is Let It Out. So when I offer that term to you, is there anything that you wish that you would have let out? Anything that you never get to talk about that you wish that I would have asked? Anything else that
0: you want to say? Oh, that's beautiful. I think I just want to touch again on like, it's totally cool to not have your life feel cool at all and feel good and like to really be compassionate with yourself and to really understand that I think what I really yeah what I really want to touch on is especially the more often I get told by people that looks like you've got your shit together and you're doing really well like first of all that's not the case a lot of the time so like I just hope people can see that when they look at other people, that they might be also struggling too, and to not compare themselves to other people or think that somebody's got it, it together more than them, because chances are they often don't feel that way about themselves. And second of all, it's just like, yeah, just that ability to be okay with things not being okay. Like I, that I'm trying to practice every day. Like, I mean, some days it works, and some days it's a lot harder. Oh so yeah, that's really what I needed to hear.
1: <laughs> Thanks, well, Mom. We have a, um we have a dinner to <laughs> to to get to, but we end letting out a deep breath and Heidi will do it with us. <laughs> Inhale, let it out. <sighs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much for doing this that's our conversation the full part one part two version thank you for listening all the way to the end if you're still here I'm so grateful I'm going to give you the secret emoji in a moment I actually remembered to ask Natasha her favorite emoji and I'm very excited to tell you what it is in a brief moment but first Don't forget to go visit her studio. If you live in Los Angeles, it's such a beautiful space. There's a skylight and the walls are lined with beautiful objects and clothing. And, you know, I had a great time. And if you don't live in L.A., and either way, make sure you follow Rome Vintage on Instagram and you can find out when a new collection drops and shop (laughs) and also follow natasha she's really just wonderful and but you know that now you know you spent two hours with her too i'm katie and if you want to keep in touch with me i also have a instagram and let it out this podcast that you're listening to has its own account as well let it out with three t's i would love to keep in touch with you there if you want to learn more about me and my work and my books, my just the one book for now, hopefully, who knows, the link is in the show notes as well as our kits, our Let It Out kits if you want to try those. I'm so grateful that you're here if you want to get the new episodes emailed to you as well as a short essay from me sometimes, or a list of links to articles I've read and podcasts I've listened to or things I've eaten that I've liked, the Let It Out letter is for you and the link to sign up. It's free, it's in the show notes. Let me know how you felt about this episode. If you wanna send me a message on Instagram, the secret emoji is the cowboy. It's the smiley face with the cowboy hat. Natasha's dog is named Cowboy And this is also her favorite emoji So comment that As well as a spoon, last week's emoji On my Instagram On Natasha's Instagram, we've got lots of Instagrams here, (laughs) on Rome's Instagram If you want to, on Let It Out We would love to know that you're Still here, that you're still with us, that you're listening Where do you listen? Are you driving? Are you walking? Are you folding laundry? Are you just sitting down, riveted, taking notes. Who knows? I would love to know. I'm grateful either way. If you liked this episode, if you thought it could be useful to someone else, please send it to them. And if you like this podcast in general and want to leave a review on iTunes, it's so dorky to ask, but honestly it helps so much and it would be really cool of you if you could do it. But you know, no pressure, truly. Oh, one last thing. If you liked this week's episode and you haven't listened to part one and part two of my conversation with Christy Harrison, Christy is a dear friend of mine. I keep saying that, you know, Natasha's a dear friend, Christy's a dear friend, but it's true, honestly. And Christy's most recent episode about eating disorder recovery and the pandemic and Pregnancy, and we cover so much that I broke it up into two as well. And, you know, if some of what we spoke about today, as well as last week's episode, when we get more into eating disorder recovery, I think you might really benefit from listening to those episodes if you haven't. And they're really gentle and lovely and funny. And, you know, it's all pretty light. But I just wanted to recommend that, as well as, you know, Feel free to go into the archive and explore all nearly 400 of these, but I thought that would be a a good one to recommend. Thank you again so much. I will talk to you next week here and, you know, perhaps before then somewhere else on our phones or social media of some sort. I love you. I'm so glad you're here and I will talk to you next week with a fresh episode.